Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Munoz. Each episode, I bring on really interesting game changers, magic makers, a little bit of everything in between. And this week's episode is no different. I am beyond excited to have Walt Greer, who is the hey. Chief Experience Design Officer at BML YNR Health. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation about his story. Uh, I don't think you want to miss it. So take a listen. Hey, Walt. Hello, what's going on, Laura? Well, doing stuff. We're here, there, and everywhere. Here, there, um, and everywhere sounds good to me. Sounds busy. <laughs> no, I'm not busy at all. Whatever do you mean? Oh my God, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm so glad to finally have you on the show. So as you know, first question, always the same. Answers, always amazing. I can't wait to hear what yours is going to be. So, Walt, what was your first job? My first job was actually <laughs> first job was actually at a company called Transworld Entertainment, otherwise known as TWEC, uh, and then Saturday Night FYEs, and then Coconuts. So they essentially were at the time the largest music distributor in the world. So go figure where they are now. Um, non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah, but... <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't live here no more. <laughs> they, do, they do. Yeah, I was a I was a I was a web content kind of designer ish thing. So like, long story really short, I. I basically lied in my interview that I knew JavaScript and, and HTML and Photoshop. I got the job. I continued to learn on the job and went to the library. And that was that. I was there for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I lasted at six months till I got another offer. Then I went to JP Morgan. So like it was it was all good. <laughs> it, was, it, it worked out. It was out. a stepping stone. It was a proper stepping stone. It was indeed. Interesting. Cool. All right. So uh, you learned along the way that you can fake it till you make it. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you find a better deal, get the heck out. I get it. I like it. Yes. So obviously you've come a long way from working for a company that no longer exists because that industry <laughs> imploded yeah. uh, to, to where you are now. I'd love to hear what that career journey looked like. It's really interesting. I think when you look at my journey, I kind of zigzagged and went around a bit, right? Like, so I did some like web design stuff and then I got into ad tech and then I was like a, a front end designer and I did a little bit of back end stuff. And then I went, I was a product manager. And so like I shifted around a bit, but I think my intent was always that, you know, the more I know, the more I can do, the the better positioned I am for the next job. So, you know, I actually in college, you know, I was high school and college as an all-american pentathlete so my mind state was like i can be good at a lot of shit and then that means i'm just better as a whole so that was really my intent really kind of just shuffling around and being where i could be but really following the things that were interesting to me so wait you were a pentathlete in college back up the truck here yes <laughs> yes explain yes. this because i'm sure folks don't know it yeah, so pentathlete, so it's it's five events. So mm-hmm. it's the the hurdles, long jump, high jump, uh, shot put, and the fifteen hundred meter uh, run. Yeah, which is basically a hundred meters shy of a mile. So yeah, that was that was my thing. I was an all around athlete. I was good at everything. Didn't really excel at one thing, but because I was good at a lot of things, it allowed me to do, you know, pentathlon well. <laughs> Were you in a D one school? I was. Yeah. So so high school out of high school. Okay. Like literally, I was like the kid that like I was getting tons of scholarships when I was in ninth grade. So I was like, man, why am I working hard in school? I'm gonna go wherever I want. So I stopped, literally stopped doing my work, and I went from A's and B's to like C's. And I'm like, well, I'm still passing and I'm still going to the next grade. And college is still hit me up. That uh, changed pretty quickly when I was a senior, and you know, I was looking at a few different cool schools who basically were like, 
you know, looking at me for a full rise, were like, wait, hold up, pump the brakes, the grades. So they said I should go to a, a junior school for a year and then transfer out. I went to SUNY Delhi, which was like six nights a week. It was like the black Mardi Gras. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Like, it was like bananas. You got to understand, I was upstate New York at the time in Niskayuna outside of Albany, which is like all white. Had like 10 black friends. That was it. And then I went to school that was like 70% black. I lost my mind. Um, so I Why stayed for, I stayed, you know, I was there for a year. I was supposed to bounce. And then I, I basically decided, let me stay for two instead. And then uh, I got nervous when the colleges came back around about being owned. So I went to this small Division One school in New Jersey called Monmouth University. Because they were like, just come and we'll be happy you're here. And uh, and that's where I went. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's my story. So- so the story, so it really is like how you were able to sort of adapt and be in different places and 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 use your gifts in different ways. And, you know, that's uh, what I always see when folks are just you know, chock full of amazing magic. So you've been at Pentapoli, you've been bouncing from job to job. How did you end up in our side of the house here in advertising? So I had um I'd actually been been uh well I've, I've been really kind of doing advertising majority of my career right I mean it was like while I was at you know ad tech companies and publishers like I was always focused on you know developing creative innovative solutions so so you know earlier in my career when I was at the New York Times I worked on a team we invented what we called surround sessions and so it was like how do we actually continue a story with a brand after we see them for the first time. Well, why don't we actually use something called cookies and we'll follow them for five page views. Surround sessions are now called sequential messaging, which all of us are targeted with every single day. You right? You go Instagram to following me every single day and knowing exactly that I like jewelry and, and cashmere. Yep. Like where you been and you went and saw some shoes on, the, on, on this side and went over here and they follow you. Yeah. All that. You know, later on, I went. And I patented a lot of things around like video ad, ad, ad products, uh, one of which was skippable pre-roll. Right, which is five, four, three, two, one, and you skip. Right, so like I had always been thinking about, you know, how you innovate and how you create engaging uh, opportunities for consumers by way of the technology and innovation and creative. And so like I literally had an opportunity to go work at TBWA. Um, that for me was an opportunity to get into the agency side, but they said, hey, you know, the role is just health. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this health shit. And we we sat and met, and I felt super inspired by the team and you know, figured, let me just give this a shot. And, you know, for me, it was about at least getting an opportunity to get into the agency side, because getting into the agency side at an executive level is, is really hard, unless you've been at an agency for years, and I had zero agency experience. So I got in. As soon as I got in, maybe six months in, VML started reaching out, and I was like, I can't go anywhere this soon, guys. And uh, we, we spoke and spoke and spoke for about a year, and uh, then, yeah, landed over here, right? We're kind of worth 70, 65% of my, my work is health, and then the other, you know, smaller portion is is non-health. So, you know, it was kind of one of those things I just randomly ran and went to the right people and uh, right opportunity, and it, and it worked out. I think you're selling yourself a little short. <laughs> uh, just a tip-tap, tip-tap. But, but getting back to that, um, you know, you've done some really amazing work in health and you're and, you know, you gave a great talk at our reimagining series about around health equity. And I think that more of us need to talk more about this because it's so important as we sat through a pandemic the last two and a half years. Some of the work you've been able to do has been quite impactful. And so why don't you share some of that? 
Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because and that is another reason why I think I really started to enjoy health, right? Especially through this pandemic, what we saw is, you know, so many pharma companies that are actually trying to reach out to people of color and specifically black people in in a lot of ways. I mean, you think about like, you know, fibroids and then, you know, certain cancers and like prostate cancer or, you know, all these areas are, are areas that I just, you know, prior just really didn't think about or know much about. And so, you know, when you've worked in advertising for so long we 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 have this notion that success is defined by you know your your title your salary your car the watch in your wrist the house like all this shit like the the business you won and the awards and the cans and yeah that that's all cool and gravy it's all good but like i think after years of doing this shit you start to get to a point where you want to do work um that is not only just inspiring but but work that actually makes an impact on people and through the pandemic, what it showed us is this massive spotlight was was put on, you know, black people, right? And and it's something that we, you and myself, have have, have known for years. But like all of a sudden, the rest of the world's like, oh my god, this is really a thing. Um, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> my god, it's crazy. Um, but it was it was a positive thing because it allowed people to really understand in a more authentic manner, like what it is that we go through on a day to day basis. And you know, I think that what people don't realize is on the health side, like we, like you know we always you know you know, i'm sure people have heard the joke right? and you you're at work and they say oh we're not saving lives here in health you actually are, you actually are. <laughs> right we actually are and, and and you know coming out of the you know the pandemic i'd like to say we're coming out of it at least um you know it was it was wildly you know like inspiring to be working on you know, a brand that now is like the most popular brand in the entire world, which is Pfizer. Like three years ago, no one would have ever thought that a pharma company would be the, like the most well-known brand in the world. And they are. And I think that a lot of brands and individuals learned uh, what it meant to be authentic, what it meant to actually meet people where they are, what it meant to be present and create an opportunity to truly you know, make an impact on a life. And I think that within the health space, you know, it's it's the only place where you can actually do that. And what's what's been interesting too is that for so many years, everyone would always say, oh, health is like 10 years behind everyone. Well, I do believe that health isn't as fast paced as like a, as a Coca-Cola or some of these are Fords or these other brands or Wendy's. I do believe that this pandemic forced them to be a lot more digital than they have in the past. And now we're working on things with AR and VR and like all this cool stuff you would have never thought of three years ago. Now these brands are doing it in a big way because they understand the importance of actually owning, you know, their brand and what their brand means in, in this space as opposed to just like shipping drugs to, to HCPs. Yeah, it's it's such a, I mean, it's similar. We've talked about this in some of the work that we did um, during COVID is that, if you frame this around communities and talk to people with dignity, guess what happens? Yeah, yeah. They will pay attention. Like, yeah. this is not that hard. Yeah. But meeting people where they are, honestly and authentically, is the key here. And it's so much that we saw, you know, with, you know, folks having, you know, fear of getting vaccines because you had folks wearing military fatigues going into certain neighborhoods and being like, hey, come get a shot. Like, it, it freaked everybody out. And, you know, allowing that leading with empathy and leading with the understanding that you have to talk to different groups differently um, and authentically and not be team try too hard um, was a lesson I thought a lot of brands finally got a clue about over the past two years. Oh, yeah. And they most certainly did. I mean, it was it was um, 
it, I think it was a very interesting learning experience for a lot of people. So, okay, now you're, you know, you're here at VMLine Our Health, and you also do this really awesome series on, on Instagram where you have these great conversations with leaders who are, you know, big shots doing what they're doing, doing the damn thing. You know, and obviously that kind of blew up during 2020 when, you know, it was a challenging summer for a lot of people. What, you know, what was the response to that and what prompted you to, to actually say that this is a time for me to like step out um, and use my platform to have these conversations? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that it was I did a post, I don't know, maybe like four years ago and I did the post on um, ageism. And it was like literally one morning I woke up, it was like 6 a.m. And I happened to look, you know, peruse through LinkedIn. And I saw all these people posting 30 under 30 and 30 under 30. And I just did a post. It was like, I forgot exactly. It said something to the effect of like, you know, we, you know, we, we, all these people are awarded for 30 under 30, 40 under 40, as if there's no talent over 40. And there's a ton of talent over 40 and whatever. Right. And I went back to sleep. And then I woke up like, I don't know, 10, 11, a couple hours later, two, three hours later. And like people were calling me and saying, oh, my God, this post you did is is blowing up. Next thing you know, it's got like a million views. And then like, you know, Forbes ended up writing an article about it and it turned into a thing. And what I realized is that, you know, and, and by the way, like 20 people, not even kidding you, a day were sending me DMs on LinkedIn. Like, oh my God, I just, you know, thank you for the post. It meant so much. I'm, you know, 45 or I'm 50 or I'm 60. And this is what I'm going through. People were sharing all these stories with me. So it showed how a single post that I wasn't even really thinking about touched people in a really impactful way so for me it made me that moment i realized holy shit like if one post that i wasn't even thinking about moved so many people um why can't i do this for other areas that i really care about as well specifically around you know black and brown people or black creatives so i just took it on myself to just basically you know start kind of writing what i felt and being in the moment a lot of people look at it and say my god you're so how do you do this and your job like people don't realize i'm not a fucking social media influencer like i don't plan my posts and shit and like for tomorrow and the next day and the next day i post maybe once a week and i post when i'm in the moment feeling a certain way and it might take five minutes of my time but through the pandemic what was interesting is i figured well if i have these very important conversations I need to have them with people who also have influence, but a lot larger influences myself than myself and people who can open up the amount of people like viewers and really, you know, help set the tone and create a real conversation that can be impactful. So I essentially started calling people in. Right. And it was people like Gary Vaynerchuk. It was people like Mark Pritchard. But then it was people like, you know, um, Sugar Shane Mosley. Right. Like one of the most decorated boxers in the world. And, and, and you know, having conversations with him about uh, the importance of showing up and what showing up means. Right. Or, or you know, the other day, last week, uh, Mozan, uh, excuse me, Mosan uh, Marno who is an actress on the blacklist in House of Cards and us having a very real conversation around, you know, Iran and what's going on in Iran. These are just, you know, conversations that for me, it's about like transparency and, in, 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 you know, educating individuals who, who have the time to, to listen. What's been the thing that surprised you the most about the response? Um, I think that, I mean, a few things, right, is one is the the impact that it's been having simple conversations right like the one conversation where i talked about accountability with gary vaynerchuk and then he you know this conversation led to him saying in our discussion on live in front of i think it was like 44,000 people he said oh you know well 
this by this time, whatever, um, next year, I'm going to have four black C-suite. And I was like, OK, went from one to four. Sounds good to me. And like being and being at Cannes, you know, this 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 past summer and uh, being on, you know, at, at an event. And this brother came up to me and said, hey, man, I wanted to introduce myself to you. I want to thank you because I'm one of the four that, that were hired. And because of that conversation you had, I'm here today. Right. So that was that was that was dope. But like the other thing that really surprised me, too, was like the, the still the amount of hate that's in this space. Right. Because, you know, while one, two, three, four, five people are inspired for every five, ten people that are inspired, there's that one person out there that is, um, you know, sadly on the other side of the fence. And, you know, the amount of hate that I get in my DM is also crazy. I mean, I got like crazy Trumpers and people saying things like, oh, like, you know, because of you, I can't get a job. And, you know, it's, it's crazy, absurd stuff. It's interesting because I, you know, similarly, like, you know, it's I've I've had some really interesting DMs, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, keep that energy for yourself because your name's here and I will post it. Um, but more importantly, it's is it's that moment where you're like, I have a platform, I'm using it for good, and and in your mind, you think me using my my platform for good is somehow affecting you yeah. personally. Yeah. And how did we even get here with that? That's where the, how many leaps do you have to make to get to that point where you think that somehow what I'm saying is going to impact you personally? Oh, yeah. And and the cognitive dissonance that happens and like that it's a microcosm of what how we got here where the world we are right now um, yeah. across social media. Uh, it's an interesting commentary because you're like, wait a second, like, I don't know you from Adam. How am I responsible because your life has not worked out the way you wanted it to? But yet you'll disassociate everything else in your universe and pick on the black guy who's ta- who's, ma- who's making a smart comment. Oh, yeah. I had I had a last year I had a white woman send an email to like 15 global C-suite in our agency here at VML. Subject line was Walter Gear doesn't like what uh, Walter Gear's racist doesn't hire white people. Like crazy, crazy shit, like crazy stuff. And you and you have to look at it and you and on the one hand, you feel sorry for those folks. You're like, if that's if that's how you are, are responding at it, um, then it's not much we can do to help you. But also why? Like, stop trying to knock the bread out of my mouth. I had we have nothing to do with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's also this weird privilege. That, like, if I do that, then I will somehow affect someone I don't even know. Um. And and it's it's a it's a very interesting place to play as a black leader um, at when you're in the C-suite because you get really interesting thoughts about how you have to respond to some stuff because I'm sure you've been in places where you're like wait what did you just say <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I've, I mean it's, it's you know some of this I mean look here's the thing like the same way social media has empowered me to go out and and make an impact and touch people right like other people feel inspired to you know say the things that is that it is that they want to do right so social has 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 been a positive and a negative thing uh most certainly you know but i mean what are you gonna do i mean this is this is life people you know people get mad or upset about the craziest shit like you can't you know you can't make everybody happy listen listen you're not ice cream you're not gonna make everybody happy that's um, you just you just have to deal with on that side of the universe but thinking about making you happy and thinking about your accomplishments what do you think you tell 21 year old walt um 
you know, I probably tell a 21 year old version of myself to uh, show up. Show up, show up and, and, and be you. It took me a long time. And I think it takes a lot of us a long time to be us, right? To, to to be, you know, the best version of us possible when we show up at the work. Because, you know, it's easy. It's easy. I'd say it's easier for some people, I guess, when you're, you know, SVP or EVP or you're a C-suite, right? When you're on the come up in three, four, five years in, there's this feeling of making sure that you're like you're appeasing everyone in the room. You're not making everyone feel anyone feel uncomfortable in the room. And that's a difficult feeling or difficult space to be in. So I'd say that, you know, that, you know, I need to show up earlier. Right. Because I think if I showed up as me earlier uh, than I did, um, I would have had a I would have gotten to where I am a lot faster, I think. You have gotten somewhere faster, but always like the road you're on is the road you're on. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's really key what you said about the power of showing up because I I think about this often with my own of my own career of like people who know me now versus when I was much younger think I'm a hundred percent a different person. I'm like yeah, mm. I had to grow up like. The shy kid who was a web project manager is not the executive you see now. It has to happen. And I think oftentimes when we're, when we're black in our industry, it's a different universe that you have to play in because you have to try and be 18 different people all at the same time. Oh, yeah. It's tiring as shit. It's very tiring. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, takes a, it takes a while to really settle in and get and get used to that. But I'll tell you, like, the, the literally the day and weekend month that – I started being me. I started doing the best work of my career. It's probably that one year was probably one of the best years of my entire career. Like yeah, hands I down. Think, I think once you, I think that's probably one of the kind of interesting gifts of the pandemic because it gave people a chance to kind of sit down. Yeah. And think about who do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to stand for? And if that's what you want to do, take this challenging time as an opportunity to really go for what you want. Um, and 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 write that post and Absolutely. say and say it out loud. Do that thing. Uh, it's so important and so impactful. Um, so talk to me about the time you had a challenge in your career and you're like, okay, this is nuts. I'm never gonna find my way through. And then you did. Uh, lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> lots of times. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I am. I. I. You know, I like a challenge, right? And for example, like I'm. You know, I'm always I'm also also last minute to to doing shit and work in general because like it challenges me to get it done uh, quickly, good, et cetera. Um, you know, here's a great example. When I was at Viacom, I had a, I had a really crisp job and I was chilling. I was like, I was doing great. Loved it. I was happy. Had a, like a, a big budget that I could spend every every quarter, every month. And um, my boss and his boss, both good friends of mine left to go to MySpace, which was crumbling. Like when I'm telling you crumbling, Facebook was on the come up and like MySpace was like nose diving. It was like plummeting into the ground, right? And um I'll never forget getting the calls like, hey, do you want to come over? And I was like, yeah, I really like you, but I don't know if MySpace is a, like I don't know. Like I'm cush here. And um he said, hey, you know, you know, come over and then, you know, Give me like two months and I'll make you a vice president. And so I thought and thought and thought and I went over. Now when I went over, I had a couple challenges. Number one is my job was to how do you help increase revenue substantially so we can actually make a sale here? 
at the time they were getting like three hundred thousand dollars a day for a homepage takeover. We all remember homepage takeovers those days were fantastic. Um, and so how do I do that? So I, I was immediately put in this position where, you know, God, like, okay, now I'm actually responsible for revenue um, to some degree. And my role is to be inventive. So I felt a massive amount of pressure to perform at a very rapid pace. Mm-hmm. So we 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 partnered with um, MIT and these folks, and we built out one of the first um, usability labs, biometric usability lab. So essentially allowed us the ability to understand things like uh, color, call to action, speed of animation, position on page, all these things by pulling things like heart rate, um, uh, pupil dilation, arousal, which is the sweat in your palms. Um, whether someone's leaning back or forward, facial expressions. So I could essentially create the perfect ad or perfect solution. So it's like we we started with building that and that was like a million dollar buy. So like, you know, you're praying like, shit, man, we're spending a lot of money. Out. There's some a return on investment here. Um, and then and then and then building out a whole team. And that was my first time where like running a team that spanned across the U.S. So it was a really scary and challenging moment for me because performing uh poorly meant I would probably lose my job, right? So um, that was probably one of the, one of the biggest challenges, but one we overcame, right? We I took homepage takeovers and that usability lab allowed us to bring, you know, create solutions that went up to like a million dollars a day. Um, and, you know, we ended up selling it to uh, Justin Timberlake and a company called Specific Media. So it was, a, it was a wild time, but it was also fun. I think challenges can be fun, right? And I think that we all need to be challenged to some degree because if you're at a job or at a place where you're just sitting on your hands, um, you know, you're going to grow stagnant. And especially as a creative, right, you have to have different challenges that force you to kind of grow out, go outside of your comfort zone to create um, things that are really inspiring and, 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 and magical. That's the kind of thing about it all is that like once you get through those challenges like whoa so much else came through this i learned oh, yeah. so much and now I have, I have all these other amazing skills that will help me get to the next insane challenge that i have and yeah. you know that's a that's a fantastic a fantastic example of that so you know obviously you got a lot to do um and you've got to try and make some time for walt so what do you do for your self-care that's a really hard question. I'm poor at it. There is no grade. There is no grade. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's like, you know, the more senior you get, the, the the less time you have, right? And it's like, the little time I have, I try to be present with my family. And in and, and, and I'll be honest in saying like, that's not even enough because the time that I do get to spend with them, like then I'm like I'm tired or stuff like that. So, you know, for me, I don't I don't really have that time like I like I used to. Right. Which is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, for I, I just enjoy, you know, sitting around the house and being with with my wife and daughter. It's funny. It's like I am I'm one of these people that also have to constantly be on the move. So the time that I get with them, I'm like, all right, where do we want to go? Let's go to a restaurant. Let's go to the mall. Go buy something. Let's go over here. Or I'm trying to fix something. So like this weekend, I was like, you know, I installed I put together a whole ass fence you know, around <laughs> one of the sides of my house. So I try, Sounds I try very to, Long Island to me. Oh yes, it is. Uh, country out here. So it's it's you know it's it's you know my time. I don't do a, a good enough job, and it's funny because like I'm always telling and preaching that to other people. Like you gotta have you you your you time. Um, but it's a challenge. You know my time is you know my downside be outside of work here. Like then I get you know then I'm you know mentoring you know four or five people every single week and then you know I'm doing like a live here like you know like I did last week around Iran or some random shit so it's it's hard but I understand that 
you know, we don't we don't have a lot of time on this planet, right? We're a, 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 a dot on this line that is like potentially infinite. So, you know, my whole thing is like when I'm when I'm long gone and dead, you know, I hope that people can turn around and say, this is someone who helped me. Right. And I think that the people around me that I can actually make an impact on will eventually make an impact on my daughter. Right. So this is like a, the long term play to to helping her, really. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is all a grand plan to make sure that your daughter has everything she ever want in an entire life forever. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, amazing. I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't foresee that being an issue. Um, <laughs> and she's going to be amazing because she is oh, adorable so and, oh, and, so and, and brilliant. Uh, but the thing is, you do have to make time for Walt. Yes, and, you, so true. and so, wh- whether it's stopping to buy some new Jordan 1s, um, That's a like, not, same here. I have a similar issue. Flight Club <laughs> and I are very good friends. Yeah. Um, um and stock x but that's neither here nor there um but but you know i think especially you know as the more senior the more senior you get it seems like your time windows dwindle 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 but i you know i through the years when i had my own agency i was always about a relentless hustle relentless hustle can't stop won't stop and now i'm all about relentless rest yeah i think it is imperative especially for us um folks of color because we have to be 18 people mm-hmm. and i think it's really important that we find those moments of us time even if it's an hour a week so if it's a walk if it's listening to a podcast if it's going for a massage if it's if it's retail therapy for christ's sake whatever um we at least build that time in for us because the world is heavy it always it is the world that we live in and it is going to be heavy and if we don't take that time for ourselves our bodies will be like you know what i'm gonna make you sit down yeah 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 so you, you yeah. gotta do it Hunter. It, it's so important it definitely is um, and so now, last question for you. Okay. Do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? So this can be kind of anything. So it could be, here's a great book I read, here's some good advice, or I would like you all to do X, Y, and Z. So you can do either or, or both. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'll have two things, right? Number one is I'll say that, you know, about maybe a year ago, I did a simple post on LinkedIn. The post was like, hey, you know, and a lot of people want to know how they can actually help other individuals. Here's an opportunity. Uh, in this thread, uh, I need you to post one of two things. One, if you're a person of color and need mentoring, uh, please post in here and, 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 and say what it is you need help with. And two, uh, um, if you're a, an, a leader, right, or executive who can have 15 to 20 minutes of time to help mentor someone, find someone in these comments and then connect with them. That that post ended up making like 40 or 50 connections. And and I literally someone the other day just posted and tagged me like, oh, I just want to thank you for this post you did a year ago. I became friends with this person. They helped me get a new job. They helped me look at my, my it was, it was kind of cool, right? So so I say that because like my, my ass would be, you know, for for people to take a moment to help someone else, right? Because it's not like it doesn't, 10, 15 minutes does not cost you anything. 20 minutes, 30 minutes doesn't cost you anything. So I always, I say you know send the elevator back down right um create opportunity uh that simple conversation can change someone's life it really can um the other thing i'd ask is that you know i have a rule that i abide by 
uh, and and this helps kind of differ, diversify judging uh, judges, uh, panels, uh, conferences, etc. And it's my 13% rule. 13% of people in the U.S. are African American, right? Black. So anytime I'm asked to speak at an event, uh, to be a judge for an event, award show, etc., I say, okay, great, be happy to, but I need to ensure that 13% of other individuals attending this or or not attending but working this are also black. And if you have any concerns with getting those people, I have a list of about 20 people right here that I can send you an Excel doc uh, with their LinkedIn, phone number, email, etc. Um, this is just another simple, easy way to actually help create more diversity in some of these spaces and create opportunity for other individuals. I like to actually send over um, like mid-level uh, mid-level creatives when I do that because that gives them the opportunity to get a spotlight that they don't typically have. So I, I challenge anyone else you know, out there. And, and trust me, I've only had one one uh event tell me they couldn't do it they told me on a like a sunday night uh that they only got like 10 percent, and i was keynoting that monday morning and i told them i couldn't keynote and pulled out so you know that's what i say is is, is, is those two things that can be wildly helpful um awesome and i think here we're gonna do when this po- when this article go this podcast goes up um i will put in the chat um that we can start that thread on that chat absolutely um, so that we can we can b- both use our respective audiences to fire that through because i think it's so important to lift as we climb because you cannot do it any other way like we don't we don't get here alone and we won't get to the next place alone and absolutely. I'm a firm believer, and I think I'm sure you are too, that like however challenging it was for us coming up, I want that to be a whole lot easier for our next generation. Oh, yeah. yep. um, and the way that we do that is like, come say hi. Like we are not, <laughs> we're not living in golden towers. Yep. We might be busy. I, I mean, I'm sure your schedule is insane as is, as is mine. Um, but there, there are more of us now than there have ever been across our industry. With, with more of us having C's in our titles than anywhere else that I've ever seen in my 15-year career. And so I want us to be able to share that great knowledge of the folks who are coming up. And again, like, we don't have to go, we don't have to repeat the cycles of the past. Let's lift everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you're right. Like, this, I mean, I say this all the time. It's like, just be kind to people. It doesn't mean you have to be everyone's best friend. It never means that. It just is the basic kindness to folks because you never know your good word on on a Tuesday at 1.57 to someone on a call where you ask, how are you, um, could impact them in ways you you don't even begin to know, comprehend. And I think that's so very important. So it's fantastic advice. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that wall. Thank you so much for keeping for having me. I appreciate you. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Oh, it took a year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as I said, uh, Walt Greer, you're you're you know, one of my favorite people. Um, and so good to have you on the show. We'll put all the details in the show notes for folks to connect with you on all the social medias. We're gonna do our little um, exchange on mentorship uh, within our chat, so folks can sign up if you're looking to be mentored. And if you can spend time to mentor, again, get a Calendly link and build it, and then just drop that in and say, I've got 15, 20 minutes. I'm happy to chat with you, especially as we come into the holiday season where folks can have a little bit more time. Um, I encourage folks to do that. Uh, but, you know, just keep striving and do, and doing all the really great work that you do, Walt. Um, you know, your voice is necessary and needed in our industry. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.
Cool. And that is our show.